the Golden Mill. It's going to be a real informal night. Just get together and chat and get to know people. Especially a good option if you're, if you're new or if you've been here for a while and just feel like with COVID and everything else, it's been hard to get to know people. This is a great event for you women to do that. Um, also, the men's ministry is going to be having an event on June 7th, which is the following Tuesday at Tyson Nath's house. We're doing a barbecue over there. So there'll be more information about that next week. But guys, keep that on your mind as well. Um, also, next week, uh, the first Sunday of the month, first Sunday of June, we normally have a barbecue. We're actually still going to do a meal right after church, but it's going to be a Nicaragua fundraiser. So we are going to have carne asada. We are going to have pollo asada. We are going to have an amazing meal with a Nicaraguan theme to it. Um, we do have some sign-ups or RSVPs for that. You can RSVP online. There's a link in the weekly email. There's also a link on the website. Or Katie has some paper RSVPs for those of you that shun signing up on online at all. So please sign up if you are planning to be here. Since we are doing a special meal, we really need to have a pretty decent count of how many people are going to be here. Um, so please RSVP if you are planning to come to that. And again, there's sign-ups going around right now, or you can sign up online. Um, also, just a reminder, all these events, all these announcements are available on the Bible app, the Uversion Bible app, our virtual bulletin. If you're not sure how to do that, find me after the service and I can help you with that. And they're also available on the website and the weekly email. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we will go into a time of worship together. <clears throat> Father God, we do thank you that uh, we can... Just be together this morning and uh, celebrate Memorial Day this weekend. We are so thankful for all those men and women throughout the years that have served this country um, in so many ways and that are continuing to do so today, that put themselves in jeopardy, that put themselves in danger, that, that give life and limb for our country. We're grateful for them and we just want to remember them today and just uh, let them know that those that are still with us, we're very, very thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy, Lord. And we're thankful, Lord, for the freedom that you give us. And Lord, I know sometimes we take that freedom a little too far and, uh, you know, things happen in our world that are, that are hard to explain. And Lord, we are people that are beset with sin. We have a sin nature in us and our only hope is, is Jesus Christ. But there are people out there that just don't know him and struggle with things. And Lord, we pray for the families in Uvalde, Texas that are victims of that right now that are dealing with just incredible grief and pain and, and uncertainty and questions and just unbelievable hurt, Lord. We pray for your comfort and your peace there. And we pray, Lord, that somehow this would all turn. Uh, we know that your, your word tells us that things are going to get difficult, especially near the end. And we don't know if we're there yet, Lord, but we know things are difficult. And just pray for your peace to be with us, your shalom to be with us as your people, and that we would take that out into the world and spread the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to those around us and just show people that they are loved, not just by us, but by you, the God of the universe. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand? The highest king would welcome me. 
was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. The sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he is ransom. His grace runs While I was a slave to Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. There's a place for 
me I'm a child of God yes I am alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began let's sing that again alone in my sorrow alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope with no place to your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remained my orphan heart was given a name my morning grew quiet my feet to dance when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace so free washes over me you have made me new now life begins with you it's your
Washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. You have made us new. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. God, can you just help us grasp that this morning? Holy Spirit, would you do whatever you need to do in our hearts to open them to receive your truth today? God, I speak for myself, but I know there's others in this room that struggle with grasping this truth that you have made us new. There's no sin too great. No doubt too deep. That you can't work with. That you haven't already worked with. So God, would you help us? God, help us to truly grasp your truth today. set us free. God, we give you our hearts. God, we give you our intellect. We give you everything we have, everything we are, and lay it at your feet. Have your way with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you sit, say hi to a few people around you. Kids, you're dismissed. Youth group, uh, Sean is teaching next door, so if you want to head over, you're welcome to do that.
just in the first two rows either. Right there, one, two, right there, right there. and grab our seats. If you're at home watching, you're probably already sitting. But for the rest of us, sit. Now I'm going to start calling names of people who aren't sitting and just ignoring me completely. Not you, you're sitting. It's just Jesse Armstrong. <laughs> sit. I mean... My wife would call that, I have poor classroom management skills. <laughs> They're not listening to you. Sorry, Jesse. I know, I was going to have them come up and pray for us, but that could take a while, too. Two jabs, sorry. <laughs> Father, I uh, thank you for letting us be here today. I thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to worship, to come and learn about you in a place um, that allows us just to explore the mysteries of who you are, made, uh, declared to us in your text. So, Father, today I just pray you be with our time. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts and you would move all of us closer to you. Wherever we're at today, whether we're visiting, whether we've been here a long time, whether we're struggling or whether we're seeing incredible joys, just move us closer to you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So we're, uh, we're, we're wrapping up. This is kind of pretty quick for us to get through a book of the Bible. Um, we started this on September 19th, 2021. We're eight months into the study of Galatians. And today what I'd like to do is I'd like to close that book. I want to be able to do it in such a way that we can remember some of the things that we've learned. We can take away a couple main points with us so that as we close this, we, we are sure of why we went through it. So to begin with, today we're going to review. We're going to talk a little bit about the journey through Galatians, some of the contrasts, highlight the themes again, and then make sure we understand why, why did we really do this? Like, why did we study this book of Galatians? And some of the things I hoped we took with us. And then we're going to get specifically into Galatians 6, 11 through 18. And the theme of today is all that counts. We're going to look at three points. We've got the big letters, the conflict, and the thing that Paul ends with, with all that counts. And then I'm going to give you guys just a few takeaways. And I'm also have you try to come up with one on your own. So the breakdown. We've looked at this. We've now been through all of these chapters. We've seen the segments of it. We've got chapters one and two where Paul really wanted to make clear who he was, the authority that he had, so that he could clearly define what the gospel is. That there's only one gospel. There's not multiple gospels, and it's the gospel of Christ crucified. And it can't be distorted. It can't be changed, because that's what Jesus came to do. But there was something going on in the church, some, something going on that was trying to redefine what that gospel was. And then in chapters 3 and 4, we looked at this declaration of unity. We looked at what Paul wanted us to understand about how this justification, being made right with God, now ushers us into 
the family, us, believers. Believers now joined together and called children of God, moving in a way that's unique and special because of the gospel. And then lastly, chapters, three, chapters 5 and 6, we, we see now the, the dynamic changes that Paul has of us, the expectations that he puts upon us as followers. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit. We talked about the fruits of the flesh and being able to identify they can't coexist. I thought we did a really good job, Dan, Gus, and Sean, just tearing that apart and making it very real to us so that we could examine the fruits that are growing from our lives and analyze, okay, where are these coming from? Are these coming from the Spirit? Are they coming from my flesh? Are they coming from the world? Or are they coming from my Lord? What it does is it defines for us what it means to live as a member of God's family. And when we went through this, we saw a lot of contrasts. We saw some things that Paul wanted to make sure that we saw as far as the old way of doing things, but now the new way. We talked a lot about circumcision and uncircumcision because that is what the Judaizers were coming, and that is the tool they were using to try to create dissension amongst the, the believers in Galatia. We saw this dynamic of what the law was and what grace is and how Jesus has come to fulfill the law. We saw that under that, we were under the yoke of slavery. Remember Dan brought in that awesome yoke and just talked about what it looks like to be guided and geared by a yoke. And we are now under the yoke of God's freedom and his grace. We are being directed by him. So we are no longer labeled a slave, but we are labeled children of God, not dictated by the flesh and sin, not held captive to that stuff, but dictated by the Spirit. So that as we move, we're not moving as these acts of flesh, the sin, the world. We're moving because the power of the Holy Spirit is truly flowing out of us. The themes were this. The book of Galatians reminds Jesus' followers to embrace the gospel message of the crucified Messiah. The good news justifies people through their faith in Jesus Christ and empowers them to live like Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit. We learned about justification, what, it, what needs to happen for you to be made right before God, and how Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. And all these other things that we like to talk about are not the means in which we gain salvation or freedom. Freedom being that declaration, that liberation that comes from being weighted down from sin and all of its failures and all of its suffering into a place that Christ places us. In Galatians 5.1 it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. And then we see this equality. We see that when we look across this room, just because I'm standing up here with a microphone doesn't make me more important. It shows that we all have a place in God's kingdom as part of God's family, and everybody has to discover what that looks like. There is no more male or female. There is no more Jew and Gentile. There is no more slave or free. We are all now equal, and there is a quality that comes because of our salvation. So when God looks at us, he sees us either as sinful or free, his children. That's the lens that he views us as. And so Paul really makes that clear that this dividing wall has been demolished and we now all get to participate in this equality that the gospel brings. And then this spirit-filled cultivation that occurs, this opportunity for us to lean deeply into the well 
of the Holy Spirit. To have the Holy Spirit be the thing that drenches us, that flows out of us, that dictates our thoughts, dictates our actions. So why did we study the book of Galatians? Well, I think it's, it's relevant today. Because if you look around the church, there's a lot of similar things going on, right? There's a lot of people that would like to distort the gospel or would like to get you thinking about certain things as more important than the gospel or get you distracted by certain things so that you don't pay attention to the gospel. Or maybe in that distraction, you find yourself more anxious because I'm fixated, I'm focused, and I'm not even thinking about the freedom that I have as a child of God over here. So the church today, I think, is modeling much of what the church of Galatia was modeling in that day. Distracted, disoriented. And so we studied it so that we would make sure as a congregation we wouldn't be that. That we would be focused on the gospel. <clears throat> that we would let that gospel be the thing that moved and directed us forward. I think a lot of folks, myself included at times, get weighed down and find myself returning back to the old way of life, to the old self. It's easy for us to fall back into sin or patterns of this world. And what Paul is saying is, no, let's move forward. Let's live as new creations. I think we all have to always examine what it is that's going on in our lives. Like just that honest reflection. I think we did a lot of that where we just looked deeply. Who are we? Well, we're children of God. What are we doing? Hopefully the things of God. To, to assess in our lives and make the, just the realistic assessment, not based upon what other people are doing, but really what we're doing. To find out whether or not we are living according to the gospel. So that's kind of a, that's a really fast summary. But that's the gist of Galatians. That is what we've gone through. That is why we've studied it. There are some high points in there and some nuggets I want you to take home with you and carry them around with it for the rest of your life because those are some important dynamics in the book of Galatians. Today we're going to conclude. And we're going to highlight three points. Paul talks about, or, yeah, talks about these big letters that he's writing in, which is kind of an interesting concept. He then revisits the conflict, the misguided boasting, and then he highlights for us what he wants to leave us with. The thing that matters, the new creation. And then we're going to have some takeaways. So let's read together. I'll read this out loud. You guys just follow along with me. And this is Galatians, the very end of the book, chapter 6. See what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me any more trouble, for I bear on my body the, the marks of Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So when you look at this, there's going to be three parts that we pull out. The first part, just what does he mean by these big letters? The readdressing of the conflict. 
and then making sure we understand. We're going to focus mostly today on what it means to be a new creation, because I think that's what I want us to walk away really understanding. But the first one, first point, big letters. Like, what does he mean? I think it's kind of like the picture I got is if you were walking through by someone who was protesting, and they had a big sign, and it was written really small, and you drive by, and you're like, I don't even see what that means. Then you drive by someone else, and it's written, and it's in these huge letters, and you're like, I get that. I get that. Like, I understand that this person's trying to make a point. He's coming, and now in this instance, Paul decides to write this very last section, the whole section that we're reading right now, on his own. And why is that unique? Because it just doesn't happen very often. It, it does happen. We do see authors writing in their books, but you got to understand most of the books that were written were given to scribes. It was given to someone who was sitting with them, and they would talk about it, and they would write it out, and that's because in that time, not everybody knew how to write. And not only did they not know how to, how to write, they didn't know how to write well. So some of their, their writings would have been very elementary. And even Paul, we know he can write, but it was much easier for him to not have to think about the writing process and the dictation process. So you will see this, this happens only a few occasions, but it's not unprecedented. But in this instance, Paul wanted to make something very clear. Some people believe that it was in big letters because he had poor eyesight. I, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to prove that, to them that he was smart and he did know how to write. We, we don't know. I mean, I, I literally led, read through about 10 to 30 pages of just commentary on this very subject. Nobody knows. So it's a little bit of an assessment. But I think it would be fair to say in this, Paul in this moment needed to get something across. So for whatever reason, he walked over. He pushed the scribe aside very gently probably and sat down and said, I need to pin these final thoughts. And I need to do it because I want you to understand this is not an interpretation of someone else. There's nothing lost in translation. This is me, Paul, finalizing this book. I want you to understand who I am and what I really want to get across to you. And this is a replication of it. There are some texts that you can find with this happening in old biblical texts, but it's you know, if you're a scribe, you're writing really small, and it's very delicate, and it's very well done. But if you're Paul, you can see it's a little bit bigger. And it's, so it's obvious in this moment that Paul is pinning this, and he wants us to make sure we understand why. There's the conflict. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ, not even those who are circumcised keep the whole law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Misguided boasting, a huge concern for Paul. He wanted them to be boastful about things that they were doing rather than being boastful about the cross of Christ. So two big differences, and I think that we can do that in the church today too. I think we can be boastful about the things that we might do. And it might go something like this. If you were a real Christian, then you would fill in the blank. You would dress this way. <clears throat> you would go to this church. You would do this ministry. You would do it this way. You would use the words that I use, obviously. And you would present yourself the way that I present yourself. Or we start looking at socially, outside the church. If you wanted to be part of this family, then we expect you to act this way and do these things, right? We want you to have this opinion about these political topics or these social topics. And it's a distraction. And we find ourselves then getting identity and boasting in those things 
rather than the cross of Christ. And what Paul wants to do is make sure that we understand there is no boasting in things that we can do to earn our salvation. So if we couldn't even earn our salvation, why then once we become believers do we start boasting about the things that we can do? Paul makes it very clear. You were saved because of Jesus. You should walk as a believer because of Jesus. We've got to be careful. I mean, I do that sometimes. I feel like well, I'm a better Christian when I'm reading my Bible more, when I'm praying more regularly, or when I'm doing the things that we think are based upon what it should look like so that we can boast about what we look like rather than really addressing what Christ wants us to address. So to boast means to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or ability. And when we come to our salvation, there is nothing to boast about because none of us gained or earned it on our own accord. Galatians 3, 1 through 3 says this. And I, I suppose you can replace Galatians with Coloradans in this so that this book might be written to us. So you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed and crucified. It would be like you learned that, like to learn just one thing from you did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing in what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works. So here's the boast, so that no one can boast. And I think that boasting occurs in our salvation and even more so now as Christians. So these folks became Christians because they recognized it is through faith that we're saved because of the grace, not by anything we could do. So the picture is this. If there was something you could have done or we could have done to save ourselves, we would have done it. There, there isn't. And so because of that, Christ comes. Paul does not want us to distort that fact. He wants us to continue as followers, whether you're here for the first time, even if you don't believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior today, I want you to understand from this beginning point <clears throat> that that is how you become saved. You can't do anything. You can't get to a special place. You can't finally like not have a bad day and okay, now I'm ready. Like he, he knows that we're sinful and died on the cross because of all of it. What counts is the new creation. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is you being a new creation. This statement holds past, present, and future ramifications. It redefines our past. It takes everything that we've done and makes us into something new. It establishes our position and our function today. It gives you identity. It gives you purpose. So if you're someone that just like, I don't even know what my purpose is. Well, let me tell you, this is where your purpose comes. It doesn't come from your degree. It doesn't come from your work. It doesn't come from your accomplishments because those are all things that we become boastful of. Now, be excellent at those things. Anywhere that the Lord sends you, be excellent in those areas. But boast about the cross. Boast about who Jesus Christ is in your world and the things that he saved you from and who, are, who you are now because of it. It also guarantees our eternity. 
Eugene Peterson puts it like this. Can't you see the central issue in all this? It is not what you and I do, whether we submit to circumcision or reject circumcision, is what God is doing, and he has created something totally new, a free life, a life redeemed, transformed, restored, a life reconciled to the Lord God Almighty. What really matters is the new creation. So in order to get that, I want to start with what that is. I'm just going to highlight what the new creation is. We can see this at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, and we also see it when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. And an understanding what the new creation, this is where people get that whole term, are you born again Christian? So, yes, I hope that you are. Either, even if you don't like that connotation or how it's used in the public, I pray to God that you see yourself as a born again Christian. John 1.13 you who were born, not of blood, nor of the will, or of flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. So you're not born now of these things. You now, as you become a new creation, you're born into God's family. And Nicodemus was like, I don't get this, man. I don't get this. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and he was actually in the high court, the Sanhedrin court in Jerusalem. Like, this guy was prominent. And to serve on that court means that he understands all this stuff. And so Jesus replies to him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, both the past, the present, and future kingdom of God, unless they're born again. He says, how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? And Jesus answers, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit, to be born again into this new creation. Romans 6, <clears throat> we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We too might walk in this newness of life. Romans 6, 6 and 7, we know that our old self has now been crucified, put to death with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for we who has died, has been set free from sin. So, dying to the old self. Now, the metaphor is important to understand here. There will be a second death that we all experience at some point, but the death to the old self is the spiritual death to us entering into this world of sin. That has now been put to death, and we've now been resurrected with Christ Jesus into this new creation. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let us not, therefore, reign in our mortal bodies to make you obey its passion. So let sin no longer reign in your mortal body. What should reign? The Holy Spirit. Because that's now what is inside of us. That's now the opportunity we have. It's not sin any longer, but it's the Holy Spirit. You have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Right now, today, you being here is a renewing. It's, it's a teaching, it's a molding, it's an opportunity for us to take what we know of the, the crucifixion and the resurrection and allow it to be part of our lives. Ephesians, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, if anyone is, Christ, is in Christ, 
The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So when we look at this, we see this redefining of our past. And, and our pasts are ugly, right? We've got things that we did. It was that, that pre-Jesus time of our lives. Even if you accepted Jesus at a young age, you recognize it because you still feel the tension between sin and holiness, right? For me, my journey was a long one to come to this. So when I think back of the past life, I'm continually grateful to know what God has rescued me out of. It's a redefining now of who I was and to who I am today. I was talking with someone this week just about being an imposter. It was just interesting to think, you know, coming up on stage sometimes, I really feel like an imposter. I, I, I feel like someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, we figured you out. You shouldn't be up there. But it's by God's grace I keep showing up. And I recognize. I think anyone who teaches and, and is involved in any area of life, whether it's in your work or it's in a missional place overseas, it is difficult and tough to show up because that past keeps hollering at us, doesn't it? Hey, you're not that good. You don't got anything to say. Why would you reach out into this world? Why would you do anything right now? Remember who you were? And sometimes what that does is we sink right back into the who we were. And the enemy likes to use that. He likes to accuse us. But because of being a new creation, you know how you're seen today? You're seen through the eyes of Christ who died on the cross for your sins. When God looks down, he no longer sees you as elements of wrath or people under sin. He sees you as forgiven. That's how God sees you. And so part of this new creation that Paul wants us to realize is stop doing all the things that you think you have to do to earn this and figure out a way to live in the freedom of what Christ has provided for you. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you in a way that will continue to modify and change who you are. It is the most important title, role, purpose, possession, thing that you have. Being identified by God as a new creation. Your position in the kingdom of God is the foundation of your hope, your future, your peace. The new creation has shattered the chains and the bondage of sin. Let us therefore live in the overwhelming reality of being called a child of God. So wherever you're at today in your faith, we have an opportunity to embrace this. This is what Paul closes us in. He wants to make sure that we recognize it's important to him. Point one, I'm writing this in big letters. Avoid the conflict. The only thing that matters is the new creation. So the takeaways from today. Are you living as a new creation? These are questions you, you get to ask yourself. You don't have to share with anybody. Or are you living as the old self? Are your patterns indicative of the old ways of things, of this world of sin, or are they representative of you being a child of God? Are you living as a new creation? Again, are you living as a new creation? Are you living in the patterns of this world? This world is going to throw patterns at you every day. And when I mean patterns, I mean ideology, I mean thoughts, I mean different ways of thinking, different ways of examining the Bible and the church and what Christianity ought to look like, we've got to continue to come back to the anchor, which is being a new creation. 
in Christ Jesus, yes, we can do great programs. We can go wonderful places. We can talk about the logistics. We can talk about the dynamics. I'm all for organizing. I am all for strategy. That's where my brain works. He's laughing. But sometimes that organization and strategy gets me out of just, it's Jesus. Just showing up and letting it be Jesus. Loving the people around you without having to point out things and just be Jesus to them. Maybe 10 years later, they might ask you, are you willing to work for 10 years so that someone would ask you about who Jesus Christ is in your life? Or do you ruin it right away because you want to start pointing out worldly patterns? Well, you're not circumcised. I can't really... You got you to do these things to be part of this family, and that's not what Jesus is saying. To be part of this family, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ. You have to believe that he is your Lord and Savior. And it is by that that you become saved. Not by the conflicts and things that we like to focus on. And I get caught up in it too. Takeaway. Do you see everything through the eyes of a new creation? Or do you allow sin, ambition, fear, anxiety to shape your perspective? I was just thinking about that this morning. I think sometimes fear and anxiety are the things that shape my day. How can that be? Well, I'm human too, right? Things happen. I had to call 911 for my mom this week who fell in the shower. Fear and anxiety swept through. Struggles in relationships. People calling up and criticizing you for the things that you might do. Difficulty, anxiety, where's that going to go? Where's that going to lead me? And it's a battle. It's a battle right now in my heart to make sure that I see this world as a new creation to make sure that I examine everything that's going on around me and know that, man, if God can save me, he can save anyone. And if God cared about me, he's going to care about other people in my life. What is your takeaway? So as we've gone through all of Galatians, and what did we miss here? What did I not put up here that needs to be your takeaway? This is your first day here, so you know, I mean, <laughs> maybe you can have a takeaway. But as you've gone through all of this, really, what is the Holy Spirit telling you right now about our study of Galatians? What is he saying that you need to do or modify or keep doing because you're just rocking in it? What is the takeaway for you right now? Let me pray for us. Father, I do thank you. I thank you for the privilege that it is to be even have these conversations to be able to look deeply into our hearts and just um, ask that question. I pray everyone here today would move deeper into relationship with you, that they would explore what it looks like to be a new creation, that we'd wake up tomorrow ready for this world and its onslaught of distractions and sin and temptation and just continue to be reminded that we are a new creation. Amen. Before we go into worship, I just want to highlight two things real quick. Um, this is a picture of... Oh, I lost it. How long has it been out? Okay. All right. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> so this is uh, God's stories. One of the things I think is important is for us to hear from the family. And you hear from four teachers pretty regularly 
But as we journey, it's important to hear what God's doing in your life. And we want to make sure that as you see yourself and you move through this world, I believe everyone in this room is a missionary. Everyone has a testimony. Every life in here has been impacted by God, and we want to hear those things. So these, these are a picture of many of the folks. I think I got most of them in there that have started sharing. <clears throat> it started with Peter and Tracy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and in their authenticity, I think they were the ones that kind of cleared the way for where this was going to go. They, they, they just gave an incredible testimony of how God has worked, is working, and will continue to work in their life. And it just was transformational. I didn't, I've known Peter for a long time. I was like, thank you. Thank you for that story. And so we're going to continue on with that. We're going to call that God's story time. It's just we want to hear what it is that God's doing. This next week, we're going to be um, highlighting the Nicaragua team that went down. So we're going to be hearing stories from them. Um, and as Sean said, we're going to have carne asada and pollo asada and a bunch of rice and beans, I'm hoping. So next week is going to be us interviewing that team to hear their story of God's impact and the things that they saw when they were in Nicaragua. And then secondly, um, so we finished Galatians. So what are we doing next? It's a great question. So we're next week going to do God's stories. And then following that on the 12th, we're going to start up a study in the book of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm pretty excited about this too, because this, this hits some pretty heavy topics. And this is Jesus coming and saying, okay, he, he starts with these six antithesis where he said, well, you've heard it said, but let me tell you the truth. <laughs> so you've heard it said this way, and you've kind of organized it in your religious tradition this way, and you've made these rules, and this is what you think it meant, but let me tell you, as the word made flesh sitting on a mountainside, let me tell you what its intent is. So we're going to go through the book and we're going to study those chapters and examine truly what the Sermon on the Mount looks like for us. We'll do that all the way through December. So that's where we're going to head. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. I've been wanting to teach you this song for a while now. Um, this morning, it, I feel like it really fits, but just uh, sorting through and being able to recognize the, uh, uh, the lies of the enemy. And, and uh, I think we need to be praying daily for that ability to just be able to thwart and... and, and uh, refuse the, the lies of the enemy and understand who we are, who we've always been. So this song is, is uh, called I Am Your Beloved. Um, but I want to teach it to you, but it's pretty easy to learn. So, so let's sing this together. I've heard the accusation I've heard the propaganda I've heard the lies they whisper to my soul That I have been forsaken I'll always be forgotten No matter what I do, it's not enough but Then I heard a voice as it opened up the heavens Reminding me of who I've always been 
I am your beloved You bought me with your blood And on your hand you've written out my name I am your beloved One the Father loves Mercy has defeated all my shame There's no accusation or any condemnation When I look into my Father's eyes They don't see my sin They only see redemption This is how my heart has been defined I can hear a voice that is louder than the thunder Reminding me of who I've always been I am your beloved You have bought me with your blood And on your hand you've written out my name shame I am your beloved oh I am your beloved that bought me with your blood and on your hand you've written out my name I am your beloved the one the father loves mercy has defeated all my shame
Spirit, would you penetrate our hearts right now as we sing this? Yeah, maybe there's people in here that don't believe that, that struggle with that truth. Holy Spirit, we need your help to drive it home in our hearts, in our minds, God, in our identity, the core of who we are. God, we want to believe this. God, I believe that if we truly believe this, this world around us would be changed. Let's sing this. I am your beloved. Oh, I am your beloved. You bought me with your blood. And on your hand, written out my name I am your beloved one the father loves mercy has defeated all my shame I am your beloved I am your beloved you have bought me with your blood and on your hand written out my name I am your beloved one the father loves mercy has defeated all my shame that created the heavens find me now where the grace runs as deep as your scars you pulled me from the clay you set me on a rock you called me by your name 
made my heart whole again Lifted up And my knees know it's all for your glory And I might stand With more reasons to sing than to fear You pulled me from the clay Set me on a rock You called me by your name Make my heart whole again So here I stand I am surrender I need you now Hold my heart now and forever my soul cries out once i was broken but you loved my whole heart through sin has no hold on me because your grace holds me the ground where the grave did all my shame remains left for dead in your wake you crashed those age-old gates left no stone unturned you stepped out of that grave surrender I need you now hold my heart now and forever my soul cries out once I was broken but you love my whole heart sin has no
Why don't we stand and close with this song?
trying to satisfy my soul All the lies I believed in Left me crying like the rain Then I saw lightning from heaven And I never been the same But shout it out I'm gonna climb a mountain I'm gonna shout about it No! 
Let's walk in that truth this week. Have a great day.